You're listening to South Bend Beat, produced by Alpha Dog Podcast. This week on South Bend Beats, Matt Engel. Matt's the man. Um, we He's in the music industry. He's a music executive, but he has background in basically every part of the music industry, from the Christian music side. Now he's um, on the secular side uh, with his label. We talked about that. We talked about his background coming from here. He's a local kid, Bremen, South Bend, uh, Bethel. Went to Nashville for a while, came back. Uh, basically the perfect guest for this podcast and an incredibly nice guy. We had a great conversation and this episode is brought to you by Martin supermarkets. Um, speaking of coming back, people keep coming back to Martin's. It's amazing. All the, all the groceries you could want, but even more than the grocery side, I love the food side and side door deli. I go there all the time. You can always find something new um, and they're great people and they're great in the community. So at Martin's Marks on social media, and enjoy this episode with Matt. Matt, what's up? Kyle, good to be here. I'm excited to have you on. It's um, We're going to get to some of the more like AMA-type questions that I have already peppered you with a couple times, but <laughs> now we'll be able to do it for a larger audience. Um, I want to start with your background. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you from here originally? I'm from Bremen. Bremen, okay. Half an hour south okay. of here. So how long... I, so my dad's from North Liberty. I yeah. grew up going to North Liberty. So it's kind of a, another small town south. Yeah. Um, going to South Bend was like a, a big deal for us. Like right. It was fun to go up to at that weather, Scottsdale Mall, probably coming yep. from the south side, University Park Mall. <laughs> How often did you come up to South Bend growing up? I mean, once I could drive, it was at least a, a weekly. Really? A weekly journey. Yeah, it was uh, hit up Best Buy. Uh, that was like yeah. the thing you would go to yeah. uh, or record store whatever that was at the time um yeah just had to get my cds you always been into music yeah yeah i mean my parents were mi- big into music they used to travel i think out of i mean i think they actually g- genuinely enjoyed it but they would go uh just play my dad would play guitar and they would mm-hmm. go to churches on sunday night and yeah. be like the sunday night special music at different like little country churches around That's make awesome. 25 bucks or whatever and uh we'd, my brother and i would sit there in the front row and listen Wait, and we just knew that that was great that they were doing their thing, but we we got Burger King or McDonald's, yeah. which was a big treat. At so that like, time. if you like, could, yeah, sit through could, it. If we could get through this. If you enjoy it, all the better. But like, we we'll might get some good eats. Yeah, afterwards. we might yeah. get a Ponderosa meal yeah. or something <laughs> even out of it. Yeah, it was a big deal. Go crazy and get the buffet. Yeah, exactly. That was huge. Um, so take me through. Let Let's go like high school graduation and if, if you want it to be cliff notes it can be cliff notes high school graduation to when you really got into the music industry to when you started making waves because it's like you've worked with one way or another some pretty big artists like some pretty big name artists that people would know like what did it take from high school graduation when you got into and how it built up to that whether it was moves career choices like what went into that yeah i mean I always knew that I wanted to do something. I wanted to do something with music growing up in South Bend or at Bremen. Um, I didn't know what that was going to look like. And I always thought it was a little bit of a pipe dream. I suppose that if that was going to happen at all, it would be on a, on a low scale. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah. And I didn't even to the point where when I graduated from, from Bremen and then went to Bethel college, I didn't have any uh, inclination to, even go to a school or attend uh, Bethel with any intention of getting a music business or any kind of degree where it had anything to do with the music industry at all. Like I got an education degree and a journalism degree. Um, So it wasn't like I thought music was going to be a realistic thing, but it was always in the back of my mind. That's what I would love to do. If I could do it, I, I would. And then once I graduated from Bethel, um, the opportunity came to move to Nashville as a teacher to get a high, I 
taught high school English. I got a job at a high school down in Franklin, Tennessee, and taught there for a few years. And just through that, being in that environment, started getting freelance journalism jobs, writing about music, uh, bands, artists coming into town. Picked up a gig uh, working for this magazine called Relevant. And then that turned into another gig with the Tennessean, which is the local newspaper in Nashville. And they started just hiring me for uh, just, hey, why don't you just be our beat writer for artists coming into town? Like if you've got an artist that you that is interesting to you coming to town, look up their publicist and let's uh, let's put together a, a Q&A or some kind of a feature to just kind of let people know that they're coming and. So that turned into kind of a regular side gig for me, um, just right. And it was great for me at the time because I wasn't connected to the music industry in any other way. So I started forming these relationships with publicists and telling them, "Hey, I'm." I was using just my Hotmail address, which was <laughs> very illegitimate. But like, do you remember what it was? Matt Ingle at hotmail.com. Oh, so you had a normal one. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't like uh, mine yeah. was bad boy underscore big K. Hotmail. Oh my <laughs> word, that yeah. is that is. That is so terrible. Way better. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, um, so, but I loved it because I would reach out to these publicists, say, "Hey, I'm writing for the Tennessean. We want to do an article on Death Cab for Cutie or Alanis Morissette or Jason Mraz. They're coming to town. I want to. I would love to to talk with them, and they'd they'd give me an interview typically because it was Nashville. Are these real names you were able to? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Um, And uh, and so I they would set up an interview time. I'd get to talk with them over the phone. Um, and then, which again, I was 20, early 20s. Like, this is really cool. And then they'd send me a CD, stars. which was yeah. awesome. Like, I got to actually, I mean, CDs Maybe were even expensive. pre-release sometimes? Yeah, pre-release. Almost always wow, was a pre-release. Because awesome. usually they were touring an album that hadn't come out, was about to come out. And so they were kind of putting that all together. Like, hey, we want you to talk about this record. We want you to talk, you know, this is all public publicity so and then obviously they would give me not obviously but a lot of times they'd give me tickets to the show so wow we yeah. would yeah we would get to go to that's a great way a to week. cut your teeth yeah. yeah so and at that time i mean being a high school english teacher i wasn't making a whole lot of money doing that and uh so it wasn't very possible to just go to many concerts tickets are expensive even back then um but we would go to shows a couple nights a week sometimes and uh yeah and then just fun. I was like, I get to talk to these people and get free music and all that. And this is early two th- 2000s, just a, for so a point of reference. One thing I want to ask about is typically get to like um, your role, I guess a good all-encompassing word would be like executive, like mm-hmm. music executive now. Typically, the executives um, are pretty talented, like coming up, like they were the talent. Was it the case with you like where initially you were like, well, I want to be the talent? Was that your case, or did you always want to be on the executive side? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I've never really been a great musician. I played, and I'll even say played now, like with quotes, um, because I played on the, you know, I would play for the Bethel College Chapel mm-hmm. Band, and I was in a couple different bands, like regional, around here. But You didn't have, like, grand illusions of, like, no. do you think that gave you, what I'm, what I'm getting at is do you think that gave you an advantage? So I feel like there's a, a lot of, like people in your situation that would end up making great executives like you are now, but maybe they're hesitant to make that switch when they should because mm-hmm. they're hanging on to the talent part. Whereas you, it sounds like you you really had no qualms about giving up the talent part and moving to the executive side. Zero qualms. I mean, especially <laughs> when I moved to Nashville and I realized that the people that were taking my order at Chick-fil-A <laughs> were a thousand times better than I could yeah. ever be. And they're, you know, they were all over the place. And I mean, even... Before then, though, I mean, when I was playing at Bethel or, uh, you know, when we do little tours or whatever, mm-hmm. I realized I'd, I like it. It was fun. I was good enough to to maybe look cool, you yeah, know, and right. play enough. Right. But to me, it was never I never thought yeah, I'm going to be an artist when I grow up, when I get you know, I'd, it was always I, I want to support artists. I'm super passionate about mm-hmm. like the things that I like. I want everybody to know about. So that was more my thing, and I would, I like myself, but I don't need to. No yeah. one needs to know about me. And as it probably a helps in identifying talent now too. Um, oh, for sure. It's to to make the uh, like parallel to sports. I mean, you're kind of like a GM, and we've seen the GMs that played at a high level 
don't always work out. It's <laughs> yeah. always it's just like know the game and for you knowing the industry and mm-hmm. you've been able to amass um, some pretty big talent on your side. Yeah. And a lot of it hasn't even been because of me. It's just been because of the people that I've been associated with or you know, just being in honestly being in the right place at the right time. And, um, and yeah, uh, but yeah, a lot of it has been, um, yeah, lots of great talent. So you're on the press and publicity side. What what did your next step look like after that? Yeah, so uh, I was working with a a band um, on a on a feature. They were coming. They were playing a show in town. It was actually a, na- a local band, um, band called Jars of Clay. And yeah. I didn't do a lot of. That, they I've were, heard of Jars of Clay. Yeah, yeah. they were a Christian band, yeah. but I didn't. What I was doing with the Tennessean was very lim- very little of it was actually Christian music. But um, I mean, I grew up on listening to their stuff. I n- very much knew who they were as a band. Um, and, uh, through a connection with that band, their publicist, uh, and I just started talking about things outside of Jars of Clay, and she was like, hey, if you're ever interested, I think there might be a job opening up at the record label that I work with that you might be interested, that you might be really a great fit for, and I'm like, yes, and I'm, I'm saying that now that I think about it, I might have dropped a little hint. Like, <laughs> there's ever a job that opens up, I would yeah. be interested. Uh, I don't know that she would have just said that out of nowhere. But, I mean, at the time, I was I was teaching, and I liked teaching, but it was very much me settling. I knew that this was something that I could do decently, but it wasn't really my passion. It wasn't what I wanted to do the rest of my life. But in, uh, to some extent, I was thinking this might end up being what I do. Mm-hmm. Like, this might just be what it is. Um, I didn't have any, uh, there were so many more people qualified for jobs in the music industry. Yeah, Belmont is in um, Nashville, which is a huge music business school. And so many people. Is it really? Com- I didn't yeah, know that. Belmont's gigantic and maybe one of the biggest in the United States. And um, so many people are coming out of there looking for jobs in the music industry, like, and, and executive, ro- you know, interns, getting internship roles that would eventually like move into executive jobs. I was teaching high school English. I did not have any qualifications and I didn't even really know anybody except so, but doing this thing with, uh, jars of clay, I met this publicist. We started a a little acquaintance. I wouldn't even call it a friendship at the time, but she brought my name to the attention of one of the VPs at Sony, um, in their Christian music division that she was a part of. And, uh, I got a interview and, uh, in the in the national promotions department, which is essentially radio, mm-hmm. radio promotions, which I didn't know anything about because I didn't even know that there was a radio <laughs> promotions. I always just figured DJs played whatever music yep. they wanted to play and songs got big on the radio because a bunch of DJs all decided this is going to be the big song. Um, so what I realized soon after was like radio promotions is like a kind of a big sales job like you take yeah, these talk songs. us through that because i didn't know this either yeah so essentially like a record label you know funds a record from an artist and then uh they've got an a and r team which is artists and repertoire and that that a and r team is who works with the band and the producer to like groom them into a marketable entity and so what the a and r's job is is like we need we want to we want to sound and we want marketable music we want something that can sell we want to we want an image that can sell they kind of create this whole dynamic for this artist or this band and uh, because a lot of times bands are i mean you've seen an indie band come through they they usually aren't very put together because they don't have anybody that's like coaching them or training them um so a and r does that and it's called again artist and repertoire and uh and then those people kind of work with me um, the radio team, the national promotions team, to figure out which of the songs that they are recording have the most possibility of working on radio. Like have a mass, like you can just, you know, like when you hear 10 songs, like that's the radio song or those are the hits. Like we can all probably do that. Some people might not be as attuned to it as others, but especially for for me, I, I grew up listening to the radio. I grew up listening to so much music. So just naturally over just a short amount of time, I started figuring out like, oh, this is what makes a song a hit. This is and a big part of making a song a hit is just the familiarity. It's kind of funny to say because you, you kind of want things to sound innovative. Mm-hmm. You know, you want something to sound original. But a lot of times what we love about radio 
is even if it's a song we've never heard before, there's something about it that makes us think about something familiar. Yep. <laughs> so we listen to the so the hit songs have something about them that sound familiar, like that sound like something else that we attach ourselves to, that we relate to, that we find comforting. Um, so that was my job was to kind of work with my promotions team and listen to new songs that were coming out from whatever artist was putting out a new record and decide, okay, I think that's the first single. That's, that's going to be the one that sells, that sells. I've always wondered like the psychology behind like lead single, second single. Yeah. Yeah. And and a lot of times, yeah, there's a lot of strategy behind it because sometimes the best song isn't the first one. A lot of times the, the, Sometimes you want to start up like, this is a new project. We really think that track number four is the hit. Like, that's the smash. But let's start with this track number one. That's a little bit more of a banger, a little bit more like heavy, and maybe even a little left of center from what the band has usually done. But it's going to get people's attention. And then right as we're about to put the record out, we'll, we'll send out track, or track four as the second single, and really, and that'll that'll be the one that gets everybody's attention. Like, oh yeah, this is going to be a great project. Because again, this is back in two thousand seven when we were still putting out CDs, so people were still buying songs or you know albums, the entire album. Yeah, now it's not that way as much anymore. Artists sometimes will just put out one song at a time, and that will be the single. You know, is there ever a rift between like studio re- rep- representation and the artist? Like the artist is like, I think this should be a Lead single and the representation has to be like, well, disagree and it's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Usually it depends on the caliber of the artist. Like if the if the artist is a a lister, big time, they ultimately kind of make the decision. Just Taylor Swift, she gets to decide. Taylor Swift makes her decision. Yeah, for the most part, she probably has some people who are like, hey, we strongly encourage this. I'm not in those meetings, so I can't really say, but I imagine. At the end of the day, if she's not down with the song being the first single or a single at all, mm-hmm. that's not going to happen. Because she's got to be the one that goes and promotes it. You know, that's going to... She's Taylor Swift. She, But, like, if it's especially a, a newer artist, when they're going to radio stations, they're talking about a song, and they're talking about their heart behind the song, why they wrote it, um, they're performing it. If they're not into it, then that's it's going to be a cluster, you know, so... How's it work on the music video side? So like, um, like how, how do you, is it like lead single? This is what's going to be a music video. Is it once you identify this is going to be the lead single? And like, these are all very like stupid person music questions, oh, yeah. which um, I'm not in the weeds with music. There's probably a lot of listeners that aren't. So yeah. excuse me if they're very, like very baseline. Oh, for but sure. like at what point of the process is it like, okay, well this song we're going to shoot a music video for. Yeah. I mean, honestly at this point, especially if you've got a, budget if you're a bigger label um you're gonna put every single that you almost to some extent you might put every song that that is written for a project make a music video out of it because youtube i mean you this isn't probably a surprise to anybody anymore but youtube is more viewed than all the dsps maybe combined Mm -hmm. and certainly like bigger than most of the network televisions like people watch youtube more than they watch anything else so the biggest marketing thing you can have besides the song itself is a video to complement the song you're, or some kind of a visual that people can go to to find that song. So, yeah, that's a big deal. And it, you certainly want it for anything that's going to be like a a, a, a concerted radio single. You okay. definitely want a video for it. I, I'm taking down a couple more questions. I'm going to save them for later. I'm going to stay on track. <laughs> um, so take us from so that and then... Like, I know we have Aesthetic going on now. Yeah. Take us anything in between and then, like, the birth of Aesthetic and what that means to you and mm-hmm. basically what your mission is there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I, I ended up getting the job at Sony, and um, I was very unqualified for it. I, <laughs> I, def- I was basically a hired full-time intern for the first uh, at least six months that I was there. Um, my The guy that hired me was a pretty brilliant dude and he just saw something in me he's like you are really good at this you're a personable guy matt so i believe in you i'm going to invest in you even though i could hire he didn't say this but he could have hired a a bunch of other people to do what i did but he saw like i'm going to groom you to do radio promotion i'm good and that basically what that means is i'm going to not you're not only somebody 
who is working with the artists on their music and choosing the songs, but more primarily, you're working with the radio station gatekeepers that decide what songs go on the station, go on the air there. So I'm working, and all those stations are stations that report to the Billboard charts. So when you hear, like, you know, the Billboard Top 20 or 200 or whatever for radio, those are those songs are generated from top to bottom by spins. By so there's only certain stations that report to that yeah. chart? Okay. Yeah, you have to qualify. There's a whole process, like a vetting process. and um, Yeah, and obviously depends on your market, market mm-hmm. size, and just the power of your station, how many audience members, how many people are listening. So, um, so I'll talk with, for the, because I was hired with Christian Radio specifically, I think there's probably about 120 stations that, report to those to that chart and so i've had to build relationships with music directors at all of those stations um over the years and i've been doing that for 15 years now so So it's a sales job too yeah Yeah. so it's totally a sales job it doesn't sound as sexy to say that but it's really what it is like i'm i'm if you're not a good people person you're not gonna last long right with that job exactly so i'm trying to sell them on a, a song, but also more of like an experience for your listener. Mm-hmm. Your listener is going to have a moment with this song. And that's what I do love about Christian music. As much as Christian, like a lot of times it is very uninspiring to me, <laughs> like the art of it. I can't believe I'm saying this on a podcast, but it's, <laughs> it's the truth. Like there's just something about it. It's very formulaic at times. It's just not, I think most would agree with you. Yeah. Right. Of yeah. course. And, but like, because I made a great living doing it, it's hard for me to admit that sometimes, but it, it's true. Like I just, I'm. it's not super inspiring artistically, but to be able to promote a song that has a message that I know is going to take a listener who's in a bad place and they're going to hear a certain song at the right time and be like, man, I did not know that I needed that. Or I absolutely needed that. And that song came on at the right time that just gave me the affirmation that I needed. Or the it just, it just spoke to me that there's still hope in my hopeless life, hopeless situation right now. And uh, that kind of stuff is really rewarding for sure. At the end of the day, whether it's Christian music or whatever, it's all a business. And don't let anybody fool you. Christian, <laughs> Christian, the Christian music industry is very much a business, but there is still that element of like, there's a, a message there that's meaningful and substantive that I couldn't really do as much if I was promoting, to be honest, a Dua Lipa song or, uh, you know, a right. Sean Mendez, like my, those songs are cool, whatever. But like, how do I promote that other than yeah. be like, these are just big artists. You got to play the song, right. you know, there's not a, there's not really a strategy to that. So. so when you then eventually at some point moved into like more secular music, mm-hmm. um, what, what went into that decision? Cause it sounds like the Christian music is close to your heart and it's obviously, uh, you've been able to make a great career out of it and it's yeah. something you enjoy doing. Um, was it more like new challenge based or wanted to just do something else? Yeah. Uh, I know there's still ties to it. Like what went into the decision to, well, I'm, I'm going to do this now too. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I still do Christian radio promotion. Um, I'm in my 16th year of doing it. And uh, when I left Provident, it wasn't on the greatest of, of terms, to be honest. Like I, I made some really bad life decisions um, that cost me uh, an opera, really some opportunity in that la- at that at the label mm-hmm. and um and it's a deeper part of my story that if you ever meet me face to face i'd be happy to share it's mm-hmm. not really pod for this podcast not really the best material but um it put me in a position where i'm like i just kind of lost everything i made some bad decisions lost a lot of things including um just my family uh, mm-hmm. for us for a, a season and um and it forced me to leave nashville and move to South Bend. So for the last 11 years, I've been living in South Bend and I thought that I was going to be probably not qualified again to do Christian, to do music period. I thought I kind of lost my shot at music, the music industry because of my bad decisions. And, um, man, like God had other plans and I started my own company kind of just out of desperation. And it turned into this thing that became, um, like it's just this independent radio promotions gig that's been incredibly successful for me. So I'm really grateful for that. But uh, not but um, because of that, after a while, it's like, OK, 
I'm very artistic in my soul and my spirit. This is great, and this has been a great living. I need to find another outlet. Mm-hmm. I, I've got, I've got. I'm just. I'm. I'm not listening to this music on my own. I'm listening to really weird stuff or <laughs> stuff that would be just kind of off the, the off center, a little bit more al- like alternative or whatever you want to call it. And um, I started meeting other producers and artists, um, like a lot of them out of California or and just all over the United States that were making great music, but certainly weren't making music that I could work to Christian radio, nor would I have wanted to. Cause I'm mm-hmm. like, no, this is do not homogenize your, your music to something formulaic. Like you've got something great. Let's, but I, I want to do something with you. I just don't know what it is. And they're like, I don't know what to do with my music. I made, I know I've made some good stuff, but I don't know what to do with it. So I'm like, maybe I'm supposed to start like my own label, mm-hmm. like record label. And that's always something that I thought would be, okay, going back to the very beginning, it's always something I thought would be fun to do, but it, I don't know how to do that. So it was kind of like a dream that I had as a teenager to that kind of be started becoming like, you know what? I can just, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to figure out how to start a record label. So the first thing I did was hired an, a, like one of the best entertainment attorneys in Nashville and she kind of just coached me through, here's what you're going to need to do. You're going to need to get up form an LLC. You're going to need to, uh, you know, kind of just figure out uh, a contract, an agree- artist agreement with, with the people that you sign and what that looks like as far as publishing and master's ownership and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and then it was just kind of like building a process. Like, okay, we're going to put out this music, but it's not just as simple as, uploading it and sending it out to the world. Like we need marketing behind it. And that was what helped with doing what I do in the marketing promotions realm with my other job is I knew these are the things that make a song successful. It's like I, I might not need to be radio, but like I want to get these songs played on TV and film, hopefully. So I got to find somebody who pitches songs to TV and film music supervisors. I want to find people who I want to find a distribution company that can not only send my my these artists songs out, but that they can pitch them to the digital service providers like Spotify and Apple Music and Pandora, and uh, yeah, that stuff. So I needed to find those people. I needed to find people that knew social media. Um, I needed a shout out to Alpha Dog now. Yeah, um, yeah take it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I needed to find people that could you know just. Um, make uh to master songs mix songs remix songs stuff like that so it's it's a long and tedious process but i just started kind of building this uh kind of system i suppose of here's what i need to do if i'm gonna take these songs out i want them to be i want it to look good i want it to sound good uh no i want it to sound great i want it to look great um, and I kept using the word aesthetic. Like I was just using that. Like I just want there to be an aesthetic around that. I want everything to have like a look and a vibe. And I was in the same process, I'm like trying to figure out what my name is going to be for the company. And I was like going through all these different ideas and like nothing sounded good. And then I just one moment when I was talking with a buddy about all this, I was just like, what about aesthetic? Has that ever been used? So I like click, I want my domain.com to see if aesthetic mm-hmm. was taken and it hadn't been. So that became actually aesthetic as the proper spelling had been taken, but aesthetic with a Y K at the end instead of an I C. Which looks cooler anyway. I, yeah. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that became how I came the name of the company aesthetic. And yeah, I'm, I'm talking a lot, Kyle. No, well, still, <laughs> still early on. Uh, I, I just wanted to ask, like, has there been anything like, extra surprising like in the early stages of it it sounds like you, you kind of knew like the initial steps that had to be taken then you get into it and you're like all right we need to get rolling now has anything stood out surprising it was like man i i didn't i didn't expect like this to be as this big a deal mm-hmm. or maybe i thought this would be a bigger deal than it was yeah another great question man yeah i'll be super transparent that when, especially in just in the music world in general, every week when Spotify puts out its new music, I think this number changes a lot. But what I've heard the most recently is every week when Spotify, Apple Music, they release the new music that comes out on Fridays every week, every Friday new music comes out. There's 60,000 new songs that come out every Friday. Wow. That might, I, I've heard 60,000 a day. 
I'm not sure I buy that, but 60,000 a week is that at least that's still a lot. <laughs> it's a crap ton so of songs. So every week, 60,000 new songs are coming out and they're all competing for such small space on these new music Friday playlists on Spotify or, you know, new and alternative on Apple music or whatever. And I, when I, when I first started aesthetic, I had a small, I had a few artists and a small batch of songs from these artists and I thought these songs were great. And they are great. Um, what I didn't realize, so I was just thinking, cool, like, we've got gold here with these songs. Here we go. We're going to, like, tear it up. I'm going to get these songs played on TV shows. I'm going to get these songs on these spot, like, on these play these big playlists. And maybe even do some radio promo around it. And um, just what I realized is we just put music out into this gigantic sea of other songs and a lot of those artists are much 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 bigger mm -hmm. or even and, and they and they might be much 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 bigger and they're still like considered like a b or c list artist they're not it's not like i'm just competing against the ed sheerans or whatever of the world i'm competing against the bands that you know you might not even know one they're definitely not household names but still are you know generating millions for of me streams. to do it mentally let me throw a couple names at you tell me um, like Vance Joy, would yeah. Like Vance Joy is. Would that be like oh, a B? I would say he's a C. A C. Yeah. So like even that level, yeah. At the C level, that's yeah. I mean, wow. You and I know him. I bet half the people listening to this podcast probably, probably don't, don't know who he is. That's not a knock on Vance Joy. Joy, it's just there's so much music. And out even there. those C levels like have the marketing machines behind them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, they're spending sense. hundreds. I mean, probably not, maybe not hundreds of thousands, but tens of thousands of dollars on marketing and, and promotion and getting, you know, advertising and stuff on these songs. So here I come with my little label that I just started with these little artists that base, I had to sit there and create account like Instagram accounts with them, <laughs> you know, yeah. like this is starting from pretty much scratch. Um, like nobody, what I just realized is that nobody's like knocking on the door for for my artists they weren't like oh we just cannot wait for you to come out with your new music because they don't there's there's too many other songs out so i've just what it's to answer your question the biggest surprise to me has just been like this is a lot of work yeah. like this is a lot of, and i knew that but it's like i don't think i knew it like mm -hmm. i think i don't think i realized the extent of how tough it is to get noticed yeah. um and again, that's me kind of stepping out into this much bigger world than the Christian music world. If I, if I was putting out music in the Christian music world still through aesthetic, it would be a little bit easier because I know a lot more of how that works. And this is a whole new landscape, a whole mm -hmm. new process. So, uh, you know, and so I put out really great music through this aesthetic label and Sometimes some of the Saturday Fridays when the music's come out have been some of the toughest days of my yeah. career because I'm like, that was a we just released this really great song. We spent this great money on this awesome music video, and we did all this work. Spent you know invested so much time and energy and heart and money into this, and I does it just doesn't feel like anybody cares yeah. <laughs> because there's just so much else out. Yeah. And it's just there hasn't been enough of a story built for anybody to care. And frankly, when I've seen other people put out music that I've not heard or I don't know anything about, I don't care either. Yep. I want to listen to what I want to listen to on my release radar. Makes sense. <laughs> right. So I'm going to do a few like AMA style questions. They're probably very baseline for you. Mm -hmm. um, but I've been taking some notes with things that have been popping up in my head. Yeah. Um, how much of your job, like, you, you spoke heavily of the promotion side. Does Is any of your job currently on the aesthetic side tied to identifying talent? Like, are you, a lot of times people hear executives or record labels and they're like, well, they're, they're out recruiting talent. Like, mm. is that something that works into your workflow at all? Or are you pretty much with like who we have on board? If a happy accident comes on, get on board another one. Like, how do you balance that between bringing on new talent and promoting talent that you have? Yeah, I don't spend a lot of time like at all, like out there, if that, you know, wherever there is. Like, I'm not scouring. Like bar hopping in Nashville type of thing. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, that would be something. I'm a, I'm a single dad. I'm a, I've got another company, a couple different companies. I just don't 
have the time or honestly the energy yeah. to do that. Um, so a lot of like everybody that I've worked that I've signed at least to aesthetic and to a lot of the to a large extent, uh, you know, who I've worked with in my other roles, my other jobs, um, they've related to music have been just people that introduce me. Somebody that I trust. It's like, hey, I got uh, I've been working with this person. I don't have the capacity to do anything with them, but you can. Um, and sometimes yeah, I'd say probably five times out of no, seven times out of ten, it's like not really what I'm feeling. But every once in a while, something will happen, and I'm like, man, that's actually really good. I really, I think there's something special. And then even with some of those of the seven out of ten, seven times out of or three times out of ten that it works, it just doesn't formulate into something. It doesn't materialize into anything long term. But every once in a while, like. Right now, um, one of my friends, Chad, has introduced me to a couple artists that he's been friends with out of Atlanta, and uh, he's he's passed them on to me. And so I'm talking with them about possibly working together on a on a deal. Um, I wouldn't have found them on my own, mm-hmm. but and but they're super talented and they're super inspiring and they're making great music. And my friend Chad, who I trust, is like, hey, here you should check these people out. That's usually how I find them. So it sounds like you, you you usually bring on talent that at least has moved the ball down the field a little bit um, as far as their career. Yeah. When I, I think people like they think of the TV shows or the movies. What would it take for you, say you go up to St. Joe, Michigan, mm-hmm. and you're going to go have a drink on a Friday night and there's live music. How good would that live musician have to be? for you to approach him afterwards and be like, Hey, do you have representation? <laughs> like, is that something yeah. in real life? Does that happen? Or is that pretty much? It a does. Thing? It does happen. And I'm not going to like, here's, I'm a pretty, I can, that's where I can be at my most like awkward. <laughs> I think, <Yeah>. Like where, <laughs> I mean, you watch the movies and you see somebody is like a music exec. That's kind of at this dive bar or whatever. Yeah. And he finds that talent and he's like, Hey, comes up and he, you know, and he's being smooth. I'm, if it's somebody that like I'm unexpected, I unexpectedly come across that is super talented. I'm probably gonna come across sounding like an idiot. Yeah. Like I'm gonna be like, hey, like I do this thing. It's not that big of a deal. And I kind of <laughs> almost, and I'm not very. So uh, it it could happen, and hopefully, if it was good enough that I was like super inspired enough to like, I think I want to work with this person. I could at least. I feel like I would just. Uh, probably t- give it a minute and like go listen to their recorded stuff, yeah. go find out a little bit more about what they're doing as artists. Cause I need to know that they're grinding. Yeah. I need to know that there's somebody that I'm going to be able to work with. And like, they're not going to just, that this is just a hobby. I don't want somebody that's just doing this for a hobby, yeah. you know? So, and then I will approach them through some kind of a little bit more, uh, uh co- cool and collected email, you know, and yeah. <laughs> go that way. How from, um, like, Still talking on the talent identification side. Mm-hmm. Someone like um, Taylor Swift is probably a bad example, but someone who would have come up in, say, the Nashville scene and say maybe they were performing live here and there for two years before they were discovered, and now they're a huge star. Mm-hmm. How does that two-year window happen where they're in Nashville? There's probably eyes and ears at every stop that could move the ball along for them, and they just keep getting passed over. I mean, is it... Maybe they had a star quality that once they were found, it was turned into, or is it just like bad luck and just people like even on Shark Tank, they sometimes pass on home runs. Is it like that situation where it's like people just drop the ball? It can be. Yeah. Yeah, A lot of times it's like you just, sometimes they just didn't know the right people. And I mean, that is such a big part of it. I mean, you just, a lot of artists that have made it had somebody who knew somebody that helped them get to a, and to the, into the room yeah. that they needed to get to. Um, I mean, I want to say that just good music, good art always cuts through. And I do believe that to an extent, but I also think that that's not always going to be like, that's right. not a given. Like, so a lot of times people just don't make it because they just don't have the right songs. But, yeah. and that's usually the case, but a lot of times you might have the right songs, but you just, maybe it's just your, your personality mm-hmm. you're just not an intriguing engaging person and that combined with your music's just not quite there just doesn't you know doesn't get somebody's attention or they just don't know yeah they just aren't in the right spaces to to get seen 
But if if you're really if you're making great music and you're really hungry for it, you're gonna you're gonna find ways yeah. to get yourself in front of the people that need to get it eventually. Uh, especially if you got if you're giving yourself two years to do it. Yeah, man, like you're gonna go to the you're gonna go to Nashville. You're gonna go to LA. You're gonna you're just going to work so hard. Yeah, and it still might not happen, but you're gonna. You know, you gave that effort too yeah like most likely you're going to get in front of somebody at some point who's going to give you that has the potential to give you a chance and if it were there it's it's there yeah and then you can sleep easier at night knowing i gave it a you shot. did yeah i'd be terrible at that because like i don't listen to live music much i know there's a lot of great musicians right here in south bend but like i'll go to nashville and i'll go and i'll hear someone live and i'll be like that's the best musician i've ever heard in my life <laughs> it's just like you know it's someone probably doing it as a hobby yeah they're like showing up and I'm like, they're unbelievable how do they not have a record you're an easy sell yeah. man yeah. You're, the, you're the kind of person every artist wants to play yeah. in front of yeah um questions on just so these three are kind of like the life cycle of an album type thing we we touched on music videos a little bit mm-hmm. um the songs that have features so you'll hear like uh song like like Nicki Minaj or something says like a hundred K for a verse for mm-hmm. how do the features happen? And is it more likely that let's say Drake and Rihanna do a song? Mm-hmm. Is it more likely or unlikely that they were together when they recorded that? Like physically together, you mean yes. like in the same studio? Um, yeah, I don't, I would say probably at this point more unlikely. Yeah. I would say for the most part, I think that people hear songs like with these collabs and they're like, oh man, I bet that studio session was crazy but it's like they probably cut it themselves yeah and sent it probably yeah usually how it goes there's times when i don't think i mean there's someone does a feature or a collab that they they've never even met yeah. they've never even that's they crazy i mean they've yeah they might not even know who the other person is so here's a question i have for you um the song south of the border ed sharon are you familiar with this song uh or at least have you heard it i've probably heard it sam camila cabello and uh cardi b okay who writes the verses for like Camila and Cardi B? Are they writing their own verses for Ed's album or is he like sending something he wrote? I'm going to, this is completely guessing, but, but your guess is better than like the average person. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Ed Sheeran usually writes his own stuff. Um, I don't think I would be surprised. I would be very, I don't think Cardi B writes anything of her own. I would, um, I mean, maybe she writes some of her, her raps maybe, which is what she does. She raps, but I, I would assume that there's a couple like a writer team like a writing team that's putting like that together. Yeah. Like I guess it's it doesn't even have to put names to it. Like it's artist A's album, it's artist A's single, and mm-hmm. artist B is going to do a verse. Yeah. Like is artist B coming in with their own verse or are they being fed a verse? Yeah, a lot uh, sometimes they will. Like they'll sit there and again, like I shouldn't say that about Cardi B. She might she actually might like just have a top like they call it top line. Like this is yeah. the, the the line above the like that's kind of the hook of the song. They might have that, and they're like, "Let's go with that." And the studio, the producers in there, and he's like, "Yeah, that's it. Let's keep doing that or whatever." Um, but there's usually like a, I mean, a lot of those big time songs, they've got a whole writer team, like seven, eight people, <laughs> that are all contributing to a song. And can it be big money? Like I think it was. Chance the Rapper was without an album for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, like, he pretty much just made his career, like, doing features and verses. Like, that can be big business, I'm guessing. Yeah. Like, you I can mean, end if up you got a publish, if you got a percentage of the publishing, publishing is where it's at. Like, okay. the writer. So, saying, like, song. 50K for a verse isn't the, like, big part of the payday. I mean, if this is a lump want, sum of 50K. You want, like, back end stuff? Yeah. And it, gets, it depends on how big the song is. But if it's a song that goes number one on Top 40 Radio. You want some back end? Yeah, 50K for a verse. If that was what you got, then yeah. you, you got kind of ripped off. Okay. Because <laughs> you're probably going to make a lot more yeah. over the course of 10 years or whatever. That's why, yeah, again, people that, the richest people in in song in the music industry are the songwriters. The people that, sometimes you don't even know who they are, but they're just writing all these songs. Brings me to my next question, which I've asked you like privately before, but this is something that came up in the news. So it sounds like, being able to correctly put together a contract is mm-hmm. a big deal. Huge, and huge deal. Yeah. Maximizing your upside. Swift versus Scooter. Like, can for people that aren't in the music industry, mm-hmm. can you give, like, an elevator pitch on what happened there and, like, why Taylor Swift is remaking songs that she made a decade ago? <laughs> um, so Scooter Braun is 
her former manager mm-hmm. and yeah and she had a deal with uh big machine um actually scooter braun is her is her manager yeah he is uh honestly i don't know much about that situation like how does but that yeah, work just from like esen- a music standpoint essentially what she wanted to do is like i i want to write these songs myself and then own all of it like so like a, why did scooter why did scooter own them to begin with I'm not even sure about that. That's it's just like be, contract language. Yeah, to where and I think it was more the record label. Okay, that was the problem, if I can remember right. Because um, like from just from a business side, it it seems that would probably be similar to like a copyright or a trademark issue. But then she can record the exact same song, yeah. and keep it all, which yeah. might seem unique to the music industry. That's right? That, yeah, yeah, because it's a lot of work, and it's a lot of times you just you're doing this and. Nobody cares, but because it, yeah, she can reinvent the song, make it however she wanted to make it. Maybe when she made the first couple of records of her career, she was 16 years old. She and didn't she have as much same, artistic like, control. Music, beat, all that. Uh, she would have to re-record everything. Yeah, she can't use the the map. So like someone owns the master copy of those songs. Like the record label owns the. So master. like reading a music, she it could be the same, but she has to record it yeah. again. If she publish, she if she was the songwriter on those songs, then she has the right to because she's the writer, to re-record those songs. However, if, if she wasn't the writer, then she would have to get permission. Wow. And which is a whole, which is not that big of a deal, but you can, you can get, like, if someone writes a cover, like, does a cover song of yeah. another song, you just have to pay a fee to ask, to light, it's like a licensing fee, like, hey, I want to record this song and put it on this album, but I didn't write it, but I need to get permission to do that. For for Taylor, she didn't need to get permission to rewrite her songs because, or to to perform her songs because she already wrote them. But she wouldn't be able to use the same studio recording that she had because she the record label owns them. those. Like you think of a song as like a tape, a cassette tape is mm-hmm. like that's a master, and they own that cassette tape. She can't use that, so she's got to go create her own cassette tape. If that makes sense. That's wild. Yeah. So you mentioned that songwriters are sometimes the most influential and well paid. Yeah. For like a big time songwriter, are they pretty much going to stick with one genre? Like, will someone could someone write a song for Drake and Ed Sheeran? Oh yeah, that really? All the time. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's like, interesting. Yeah, I, there's plenty of those people. Like, I mean, one of the ones I I enjoy following the most is Ryan Tedder, who's the lead singer of One Republic, but. And that One Republic's almost a side gig for him because he's done such a big job as a producer, songwriter for Adele and for, I can't even keep track of all the artists, Bieber, Foster the People, you know, indie rock, regular pop, you know, ace adult contemporary, and he's writing for country stars and he's doing, he's in, he's all over the place. Yeah. So it's when, like, I, I know I've heard situations where like Kanye would be like, oh, I gave this song to Chance. So, mm. like, someone else would have originally written that song probably for Kanye, and, like, he passes on it. Yeah. And then it goes down to he wants to give it the chance to rapper, and yeah. then it's his song. Yeah. You can do that. And the songwriter doesn't really care as long as somebody. Right. <laughs> somebody. A lot of times it. an artist, will, like Kanye, probably had that song on it's what, what's called on hold. Like, I'm going to put this song on hold so nobody else can use it. Okay. Like, the song, like, if you're a certain caliber of artist, you could say, like, I'm going to. But that, so that's cool for the songwriter because they're like oh cool my Kanye or whoever is holding my song but he can hold it for I think there's a limit for how long you can I think it might be two years or maybe it's just a year um but eventually like you're you're gonna be like he might Kanye might say I don't really want to use it and so like you lost two years of this song just sitting here in this you know bucket waiting to be used and it never did yeah but you are getting paid for those two years that Kanye's holding. No, it. no, I don't, I don't think so. Okay. I think it's just on hold. I think so. You're just, just rolling the dice, of like, hey, maybe Kanye West will yeah. do my song. Right. One more question I have revolves around like tours and touring for artists. Mm-hmm. Um, so I assume for you know the the Drakes and Taylor Swifts, that's is that still pretty big money for them. Like, obviously they have huge overhead for these shows, but that's a lot in ticket sales. Like, are they? Are they? I assume if they're dedicating that much of their life to go on tour, it's a pretty big money maker for them. Or is it more on the marketing side, the tours? I wouldn't say it's so much. I mean, it's for sure marketing, but at this point, it's 
it used to be touring was to market a project yeah. and i think now touring is much more to yeah. keep alive keep your career alive <laughs> how feasible is it for like smaller artists like you said like we said vance joy was a c-level artist i know mm -hmm. he has huge tours so if you're a couple rungs e even under vance joy um, how feasible is it for you to go on tour? Or are they just a little bit more regional than at that at that point? You can, I mean, I think every uh, you can go on tour. You can do national tours as a completely small, tiny band that nobody knows. A lot of people do. Um, they d it's just expensive. It just right. depends. Like if you're a a band that makes two hundred dollars a gig, if that, how feasible is it to? Right. You know, and you need to have a booking agent then who's like, if you're going to do a cross country tour as a small band, you need to know, like, I'm going to, I'm going to be making stops in, you know, if I'm going from Chicago, I need to get a stop in Des Moines. I got to get a stop in Omaha. I got to get a stop in Kansas city, blah, blah. blah. I want to make this worthwhile. And if I don't have anybody that's doing that for me, that's just doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. Um, and I don't need to end up in California and be stuck there <laughs> and it, no, to, play some a, kind of, yeah. to play a show for $200. Now, it might be cool to do that, but, like, I got to figure out how to get back. And I just spent six days, seven days in a very uncomfortable van or whatever right. to go play that one show. That's going to wear people out. So, so at that level, it's more of a marketing play then, right? You're hoping to sell either singles or albums at these shows or get content for your social media yeah. and that kind of thing? Yeah, you're just hoping that, yeah, people, you're, that's how you definitely do have to play shows. You just, you probably would want to recommend, I would recommend starting smaller, like right. just <laughs> play South Bend, play Fort Wayne, like around here, like South Bend, Fort Wayne. Maybe go crazy, uh, go up to Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids. Yeah. yeah. Kalamazoo play college, like the college towns in the, you yeah. know, the area do that and just play them a lot. Be like big in your own market. Yeah. I I'm, I'm saying that like I'm, giving advice i don't mean to do that but like it is that is the truth like it doesn't oh, make sense if you're a you'd be good to give advice <laughs> so, yeah. yeah if you're a local artist you definitely don't want to be like i'm just going to go out to the pacific northwest and just try to make something happen right. when nobody up there knows you who you are right. and it's just going to be a mess awesome well for let you out of here uh plug away you, you mentioned uh like aesthetic social media where they can find you if anyone wants to contact you it if your talent, maybe let Matt find you rather than flooding his inbox with uh, <laughs> what you got. But if people want to get in contact with you, with your label, yeah. um, how can they do so? Yeah, I mean, it's like Instagram is probably the biggest thing that I use. Yeah. Um, uh, it's just A-E-S-T-H-E-T-Y-K, at Aesthetic. And, um, yeah, we have a website, Aesthetic.co. And, um, yeah, at the moment we, we've got four artists that we've signed and we're about to sign a couple others, like I said. But, um yeah, a band called Juicy Pair out of Los Angeles. It's a kind of a disco pop couple yeah. um, pair that have a, um, a really great band. And uh, uh, and then a band called Tedious and Brief. Tedious and Brief out of uh, Chicago. Um, Jamie Jacobson uh, is her real name, but she goes by Tedious and Brief. And just making really good, um, just alternative girl rock i don't know how else to say it she's she's great they're both awesome and i just signed a new band called tree giants out of oklahoma um yep. that's kind of a dream pop um duo so it's a great name yeah tree giants yeah, yeah totally yeah. i love it too they're actually not new they've been around for a while um but they've always been in entirely independent and uh i heard their music a while ago and i'm like i want to sign them but they're way too cool for me <laughs> um and uh but i thought i'm gonna just see if they can maybe you do a remix of a Juicy Pear song and maybe that's just start a relationship that way. And Daniel from the band was super, yeah, he's like, yeah, I'll totally do a remix. And he did. And then we started this relationship and, and now they're on aesthetic. They're part of the label. So love it. Well, everybody go check out the label, check out the social channels, the website. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for answering some very elementary questions. Uh, it's always appreciated. Yeah. Thanks Kyle. This is great. Thank you. This has been a production of the Alpha Dog Podcast Network. Find more shows at alphadogagency.com slash podcast.